Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Inspire Before We Expire show. I am your host, Terrell Sumter. Guys, I'm very grateful, thankful, and graceful to see another day that's never a promise. Before we start today's interview, y'all, I just want you all to take some time and I want you to close your eyes. I want you to breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. And I want you to visualize and reflect on how far you've truly came. That no matter the obstacles, no matter the adversity that you went through, this too shall pass. I want you to see and look around you and see how truly blessed you are, even during the time that we're currently in. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to take some time, get your pens, get your notepads out because you're gonna need it for this one. Guys, I wanna really, really bring, I got a special guest to my sh show today who I wanna bring in, get him to share his journey with you all. You guys will be intrigued and moved by his message tremendously. Guys, I wanna introduce you my, to my dear friend who's a very, very proud founder and chairman of board of the Innovative Water Company, technology company worldwide, Origin Clear. Guys, I wanna bring in today, Mr. Riggs Eckleberry. Riggs, glad to have you on the Inspire Before We Expire today, man. Terrell, it's such a pleasure to be on board. Thank you. Absolutely. Riggs, if you could just tell us, man, when did the entrepreneurial journey start for you, man? Well, you know, really it started for me in the early 80s when uh, before that I'd really been in the nonprofit space and um, in the early 80s I got the technology bug I decided that the world was going to change with technology which it did I mean we didn't even have uh, answering machine we had didn't have caller ID we all, it was terrible we had nothing much but we did have technology starting to filter down into ordinary everyday businesses and I became excited about that. Now here, let me tell you, it did not end beautifully. It ended, I, I, I built a company in New York City with a dozen employees and I can tell you this, that there is nothing more painful than trying to make that, that pay, payroll every two weeks <laughs> when you don't have cash flow and uh, managed to survive. And in the end, I became discouraged. And I learned a lot from that, um, went on to some great things, but that for me, that was really a learning experience. Right. So tell us about the company in New York City. So what I decided I could do was to help um, business people move from the old uh, paper ledgers they had, the, you know, the writing on the bookkeeper stuff, move all of their, um, you know, their inventory and all their sales and everything, what we know as, as e-commerce today, um, over to the computer. And for them, it was the very first time I would visit these, these uh, businesses and everybody, we, we, there was not a single computer in sight. That's how, this is the 80s, right? So um, I really decided that I could help these companies and I became very proficient and built a company that could deal with any kind of situation and computerize it. We became very good at that, but we kept not being able to make good money. And I felt, I got discouraged in the end. And uh, Terrell, what I didn't understand was once you get a client for ship like you can computerize their company, stay with you. And sure enough, I gave that company to my best salesman. And he since then has become a multimillionaire himself doing that same business all these years. Why? He tells me he still has clients that I brought in in the 80s 
that he still services today. Think how much money he's made from that little first jump start that I gave it back then. And I did not realize that. I didn't realize the lifespan of it. And I now know in retrospect that I should never have um, stopped. Failure is only a failure to keep trying. There's always a way to make something work if you persist. And that's what I've learned. Indeed, man, that's amazing. So, I mean, um, so after selling this company to this gentleman, what was the next step for you? After that, I really felt I needed to learn a lot and I, I, I did a number of projects, but eventually I ended up in the internet. The 1994.com was just beginning um, and I was fortunate enough right in the middle of and had an amazing ride where, you know, we sold companies and everything was wild and crazy. And then year 2000 hit and it was kind of like COVID is today. Everything just in the tech world just came to a screeching halt. Um, they had people driving up and down the West Coast trying to get jobs. It was horrendous. And um, for me, it was good because after 2000, we were able to build real companies. So the whole period from 1994, 95, all the way to 2006 really, was my technology uh, blossoming. And I loved it and I did really well, made some companies, um, you know, highly successful and um, did well for myself, my family, raised a young man who's I'm very proud of today, he's 22. And so that was great. Then of course I had to go ahead and jump in it again. And that's what I did because all of a sudden one day, I was in the water industry, not tech. Right. So as of 2006, but 2008, we also knew it was a tough time too as well. That kind of reminds you of what's going on right now. Tell us about that time in a point of your life when it came to your businesses and yourself and your family. How did it affect you all? And how did you all really come about to rise above that situation? Well, it was hard for all of us, as you know, and um, I had just launched my company in June 2007, and by early 2008, we were a public company. Then the whole world goes into recession. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. But here's the good thing. When you're a public company, you can get your investors from anywhere in the world. And during the 2008 recession, you know who kept having money was the celebrities, you know, actors, actors. Is people who were in, really. We raised a lot of money from certain celebrities that were very loyal to us, and we got through it, and we owe a debt of gratitude to them. So we were able to overcome the harm and then became a long process of building what we have today, which Terrell has not been easy for the simple reason that the water industry is massive. It's, it's a trillion dollar industry, and it does not like to change. You and I expect technology to change all the time but the water industry is like no 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 we deal with the sewage <laughs> and it's kind of like almost a janitorial thing but the truth is that if we look back on the history of pandemics the 1918 spanish flu killed 100 million people that would be more than 300 million today if you adjust for population it we're not we're going to make if 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 5 million people die in this covid That'll be a lot. It won't be 300 million. What's the difference? We have flushing toilets. We have sanitation. We don't have those horrible, uh, muddy, nasty trenches of World War I where all the soldiers got sick. 
We don't have any of that. But we still have a virus and we still went into lockdown and we still had a horrendous problem. And the water sanitation is an important reason why we have these viruses. And we've got to, the water industry has got to step up to the plate. And that is our mission today in 2020. And we're going as fast as we possibly can to transform the water industry to treat more of the world's water. 2.6 billion people in the world have access to safe water. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about that, though, man. Like, what's the mission right now, the main focus with your company? And when did it org- um, orchestrate, the first orchestrate? Like, when did you decide that you wanted to tap into this industry and, um, you know, really be able to change the world, really? You know, Terrell, I like to say that the virus made everything acute that was chronic. Like, we were going along, like, for example, Neiman Marcus was going to go bankrupt eventually. Well, because of COVID, they went bankrupt. So all these things came to a head because of the virus. And same thing in water. We knew we had a problem in water, but we were dealing with it as a chronic disease. And all of a sudden it became acute illness. And here's the problem. There's a whole new crop of new water treatment by the companies themselves, self-treatment by the users, but they have no funding. There's no way for them to get the money needed to get these systems up and running, but they are the hope of the future. And so we realized we got to fix the funding. And so we've now focused on creating an investment marketplace. We're hard at work on it while we're doing our jobs on building this future marketplace that we hope will someday propel the funding of all worldwide of all the, the water treatment systems that must occur. It's almost overwhelming to me, but we have got to do it. All right. Why do you feel like this is such a much of a big responsibility in Yenton, man? Like you seem so much passionate about it. Like take, take, us, take us into that. Like, why is it so much, you know, of, of a, like really a responsibility that you feel like has to be done? Well, look at it this way. The water industry is only treating 20% of the sewage in the world. Four-fifths, the other, you know, um, 80% is going into the rivers and the oceans and into the ground. And that is not okay. That is a source of disease. You know, septic tanks in our country alone are creating hundreds of thousands of viral and bacterial infections. 26 million septic tanks. We need to replace these things. But when is that going to happen? It's not going to happen in anybody's lifetime unless we get going. So what we've learned from the virus is enough. We're not going to allow people to have, you know, these, these diseases. And so we got to do something about it. And that made me step up to the plate and go, okay, um, we have got to take responsibility as the water economy for the, the water company for the new economy, which is what we call ourselves. And the new economy is post COVID and it's horrible and terrible, but it's also a time of great um, future. If we can, if we can make it happen. Right, right. So where are you guys at today right now with the, with, the whole, with the whole thing as far as COVID going on and stuff like that? So what we've been doing is we've been experimenting with how to create these, um, these uh, solutions for people and finance them. And we had a big success the other day in that um, we found a way. There's, there's a, a product we call the pool preserver. 
Now that started out as a problem somebody had, which was, hey, people in places like Arizona, California, New Mexico, Texas have pools that every once in a while they got to empty out. Well, you're going to waste a bunch of water, 15, 18,000 gallons. It's expensive. And you might crack your pool. So don't empty it out. Just recycle the water through a sort of a um, kidney machine, right? And great idea. And so we supplied the first unit to somebody in Arizona and he started doing well. And then we were able to take that. And then we put a young man named Ryan Kustra who'd been, who'd lost his work because of COVID. And now he's got a pool cleaning business because I, we were able to finance this pool preserver for him. And now he's making serious money doing this stuff. And we have more people wanting it now more and more. So we've created a whole new uh, micro industry, which is recycling pool water. And if you go to originclear.com under, under water purification, you'll see it. Um, people can, can reach us, reach out to us, fill out the form and we'll figure out how they can get themselves into some kind of business like that because we're, we're working out how to creatively finance these things so that a young man or woman can actually start a business who's been put out of work by COVID but this great business is out there to start. And if we can make it happen, then we've, we've made water work for this new economy. And that's super exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take us into that. that that's a testimony right there, man. That's something that, you know, I'm sure my young listeners will, will love to hear because I'm sure that maybe a big brother or their parents or somebody may just lost work as well. Because we know there's many, many, many people that lost their jobs due to this COVID-19 if you're not in healthcare or working retail or so like that, or maybe have your own business. So tell us how that conversation first formed with you and that young, that young man and what's his name again. And also like, what was the afterfill of when he noticed that you guys financed into his business to help him get back up running? Well, I'll start it with a wonderful man named Dwight Barber in Phoenix who had the idea in the first place. And he had my Texas company build the first unit, this first, um, it didn't have a name. It was like a trailer machine that does the recycling of the pool water. Now it's called Pool Preserver. But back then it was his bright idea and he started doing it. And then he was like, okay, I'm getting old. I kind of want to just, I don't want to do it every day. Um, how can we put young people into this? And he decided to be kind of a Johnny Appleseed in Phoenix to help other people start. And he's still there. He's still there able to help. And he brought along this young man, Ryan Kustra and he said, okay, Ryan's a good man. He wants to do this. Let's put him into a machine. Through creative financing, we made it happen. And today, I mean, he got himself uh, the first month, 20 of these jobs. And each of these jobs is six to $800 per. You can just leave the machine at the site, plug it in and walk away, do another job. So as he's only paying 3000 a month for the machine. So he's, you can tell he's making money, right? 16, uh, you know, uh, 20 times eight, seven, eight hundred dollars That's a lot of money when you're only paying $3,000 for, so he may, he's making out, he's a very happy young man. And so um, now we can't guarantee everybody's going to have the same experience, but also we can't still in the test lab, but this is what we're excited about is making, is, is lighting the spark for these new entrepreneurs in water for the first time. Do you know that the water industry is aging? It's going to need 3 million jobs in the U.S. alone to be filled in the next few years because people are retiring. Well, let's do this thing. 
you got people out of work in America, 3 million jobs. I think we, I think we could make it happen. Right. So we'd like to help. Right, right, right. What would you say, man, has been the biggest challenge thus far while building your business, um, your innovative water company, and also what has been the greatest reward as well? The biggest challenge, of course, has been keeping the company funded through very, very long process of figuring out how to make it work. And by the same token, the biggest uh, pleasure or reward has been all of these um, amazing investors we have who they tell me, Riggs, we're fully behind you. We want you to transform the world. I've put my money where my mouth is. You go. And I love these people. We have more than 10,000 shareholders. We do our very best by them. And, you know, they're the reason I do what I do because they put their trust in us. But let me tell you something. It's still a day-to-day struggle. It's not easy. But they give me faith, frankly. And what has been the greatest reward? What are you mostly proud of, you know, when it comes to this, this project, man? Because it is it's life-changing, man. And it's exciting as you really get into it. The, the, it's really feeling that we're starting finally to make these connections happen that are not the way the water industry has been working. You and I have been accustomed, because I was on the water industry before, like water, that's some sewage plant down the road. That's, I don't deal with that. That's sewage. Well, guess what? We have to live with the, with the results of that sewage treatment. And so we better. And so now I've become much more involved in that. And we need to transform it. And I, I, I'm starting to feel like this journey is worth it because we're making those day-to-day changes in Origin Clear. And we're a public company that has amazing support. What separates Origin Clear from other water companies out there? It's really our understanding that a lot of water companies have not yet understood, which is the future is not the big central municipal sewage systems, the big government ones. Why? They don't have the funding. They're falling apart. The future is water treatment systems for breweries, for uh, uh, housing developments, for uh, animal farms, for all these local users that need their own solutions. That's the future. And that's, that can go fast. A government, you know, you know how long government takes to, to do stuff. They'll be at it 30 years from now. Whereas we need to solve water problems today. So we think we're special because we deal directly with the people trying to solve their own water problems, not leading to the government. Right on, right on. Um, <laughs> this, this phrase is, is kind of funny to me, man, and I wanted to share it. Uh, I guess it's, yeah, it's from you. You said how do it yourself water is like McDonald's. It's the real estate. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, because Ray Kroc, when he, when he, when Ray Kroc came along to, to buy McDonald's from the McDonald's brothers, he realized it was not about food. It was about real estate. And he built an empire based on real estate. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like my dad, he told me once like Coca-Cola, you think Coca-Cola is about drinking? No. It's about transportation, right? So it's never the thing you think it is. Mm -hmm. So in the case of water, we think it's about treating water. But when you take a brewery that that is is trying to expand and you enable it to double in size, therefore double its revenue with a water treatment plant, that water treatment system created the asset. It created a more valuable property, physical real estate property. And that's where do-it-yourself water treatment really pays off 
in the real estate value. And that's something people don't think about right away. Right on. Right on. That's amazing that you shared that from the late, great Ray Kroc. I actually seen that movie, The Founder, man. It's, it's an interesting story. It's past my time, but uh, it's amazing that you bring that up. <laughs> so I've read up, you know, um, something you said of saying that there's countries where you can't fail. That's where you came across, I guess, a German guy somewhere. Um, and oh, yeah. you know, so tell us about one time you failed, you tried, you tried until you succeeded. You know, I made failure a religion. And here's how, Terrell. In the, when we had, remember that crash 2000 I'm talking about when everything crashed in the tech world and there were no more budgets. I was trying to market stuff after 2000 and I was like, I got to do research. I'm like, well, there's no money for research, dude, forget it. We had to learn something that I later branded as mistake-based marketing, which means make mistakes, make them quickly, learn from the mistakes, do something else. I took almost a life learning and made it a marketing technique and it worked. So you can actually, um, in America, you can fail as long as you recover fast. Whereas in Germany, as I, and it's a very good example where this, I, I was speaking at this, this um, event and afterwards this German guy came up to me and says, oh, we could never do what you did. We could never fail. We're not allowed to. I don't know what happens. Do they, what do they, they send them to the concentration camp? I don't know where they send them, but, but clearly there's Germans who fail, right? I mean, it obviously happens, but it's not. They, they are then no longer really members of society. But here's the thing. The people who fail, who come back from it, are stronger, right? Um, we saw that in Hollywood. Hollywood will hire a producer who's made a bad movie because at least he knows <laughs> what he did wrong, right? And so they'll rehire him. So that's the beauty of the American system is we understand that people who fail, at least they know that the stove was hot when they touched it and now they know what to do about it. Indeed, indeed. Great example. Thank you for sharing, Rex. Um, so we know that, I don't want to fast forward. So we know you didn't start off with water. So when did that transition come to transition into water? And then I want to, it's a two part question. City water is legal. We all know it as well, but is it safe to drink? <laughs> all right. Well, just to address the second question first, you can go to a site called Environmental Working Group, ewg.org. Put in your zip code and you'll find, about, find out about your water. You might be very interested to find out what's in the water of your zip code. It's not a pretty site. So, the, yes, the, the, the water that we drink is not great. It's not going to kill you right away. But there's all kinds in it are not really allowed um, if you really want to have a long life. And Flint is only the worst of it. There's, there's situations where it's not as bad as Flint, but you know, it could be. For example, people don't know that South Bend, Indiana, has very, very bad water, as bad as Flint, from all those previous industries they had. Nobody's talking about it, right? So there are some bad situations out there. Um, the best thing to do with that is to take it one at a time, solve the problems. You know, At one time, I was, I was working with some people to help down in Compton where there's bad water too. One step at a time, that's what I say. Now, so the solution is, again, do-it-yourself water treatment to make things better over time. Because the cities are not funded. They've lost their funding. People don't realize that. That, that um, Take the city of Compton, right? 
they're, they're, they have brown water and everybody in the city conference go, why don't we have brown water? And the, the, the local sewage district says, uh, excuse me, you didn't vote the funds over the last 20 years. You didn't vote the money. So guess what? We don't have, you know, the resources. So it's kind of the problem comes back to the local politicians. I don't, they do what they can. What can I say? But it's not a good picture. So having come back, having really addressed that, and I, I, I can certainly address it some more. Let me talk a little bit about how I got into this. As I told you, I was in high tech. I got the CEO bug. I had been working my way up the ladder and I was a number two in command of a software company that went public and did well. And then I spoke to some um, investors who said, I'm ready to become a CEO. And they said, we agree. We'll back you to launch a public company, but it has to be an algae. Algae, I said, what the hell? I don't know algae, right? But I decided that algae was so new, you know, using algae for, for fuels because algae, petroleum came from algae back in the day, right? 200 million years ago, all the algae died and became oil. The idea was to make it again today, make algae today into oil. And so we launched a company that's now called Origin Clear. It was called Origin Oil back then. And we had a great time. I was on all the TV shows. I was on Fox. I was on CNN. You name it. Um, and people were like, algae. Um, Stuart Varney, who's on Fox, he called me, I'll call you algae man. You know, it was kind of cute. So that was great. Only problem is that fracking came along and the price of oil dropped from $120 down to 30 bucks. The algae industry was toast because you can't make algae-based fuel for $30 a barrel. And so that meant that we had to either close down the company or reinvent us. And that was the 80s. I was done with giving up. And so we pivoted and we, we took our, our technology for algae and we put it to use in water. Lo and behold, it worked. And there's where we are today. Mm, that's amazing, man going from oil to water. Um, I loved, I loved hearing about it, man. I <laughs> no, wanted to, that's uh, crazy. <laughs> I wanted to um, really get into, uh, I wanted to ask you the specific question here, man. Um, what did you enjoy mostly about the process? Like, you know, or so like that, what was the, what was the process like for you? And what did you really enjoy most about that process? I think what I've enjoyed the most has been the toughest challenge and what I've enjoyed the most is in 2016, it became obvious that the, that water treatment was going to go to the end user, right? I like to say, for example, that we're not going to get a high-speed train, a bullet train in, in California, self-driving car. Why? Because there's already freeways. So they're just going to use the existing freeways instead of building all these train tracks. Same thing in water. We can't build new central plants, so we'll just build them right where the people are using the water. That trend appeared in 2016. And let me tell you something. People said, huh? What? To this day, people are like, what are you talking about? I flush my toilet. Water goes away. It's fine. Yeah, that's your home. The businesses are being shut down and not being allowed to, to they're not being serviced anymore. The, 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 the consumer is getting serviced, but not the business. And finally, I feel that the 
I feel like the evangelist of this decentralization of water is finally starting to appear and people are finally getting it. And, and now they want to help finance these projects and adding a mark for water. So exciting. And that's to me having a this far, I'm like, wow. Yeah. That's how it is, man. It's like, um, it's, it's not there completely. We still got to develop it. But people realize that something's got to be done. I kind of feel like, like my evangelism where has, has cut through the clutter because God knows if it's, not, if it's not Trump or hurricane or a, or a bomb blowing up in Beirut, you're not going to get on the news, right? Somehow we managed. And I, I think that was a big win. Indeed, indeed. What advice would you give to some entrepreneurs that's on the rise right now, man, looking to get in a similar space, maybe been build a technology company or get into, you know, the oil business? You know, what would you say to them right now at this moment? I would say the number one thing to do is to um, get, get apprentice, like learn the thing you're going to do well, right? I have tended to do, to, to uh, ready, shoot, aim. <laughs> it's better. Believe me, it's better to actually learn the industry you're in before you start trying to do stuff in it. So go in and apprentice. Let's say, let's say you want to do the pool industry. Well, go work for somebody in the pool cleaning industry. Find out what it's about, right? So that you can really get an understanding of how it works. So it's okay to be an apprentice, to learn, to, to learn the ropes, et cetera. You maybe not make so much money, but to really learn what's going on. I don't, I don't believe our school system is very strong anymore. We've done terrible things to, to um, uh, make it less competitive. It's unfortunate, but businesses and even the small business people are happy to train people. So and to apprentice you learn on the job and you get somewhere. Okay, you're recording again. All right, so, so that's my best advice is be willing to apprentice. Bide your time just to learn the, learn the trade, be it um, construction, pools, water, you name it. Remember that the water industry is looking for people because they're all getting old. Jump in the water industry, why not? Give it a shot. Absolutely, hey, thank you for sharing, Riggs. Riggs, I wanted you to share something, man, on the platform before we get out of here in a little bit of really something you may not share it in an interview or share it with somebody in a long time, man. Feel free to take a space. Wow. Well, that's a really good one. You know, one of the uh, important things in my life is the fact that I'm, I'm married to an amazing woman who is a teacher and she teaches kids every day and I watch her do her thing. And um, I, 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 I thank God that I'm with somebody like her. I truly do. Um, and so if there's one rock in my life is my beautiful wife, Sigrid. And um, she, she's amazing for the kids she teaches and also for me. So that's something I haven't really discussed in an interview, but that's where it's at. Indeed, indeed. Oh, that's amazing, man. And I'm sure when she watched this, she'll be truly, truly moved by it, man. And the message will be fully received. You say you mentioned that you have a 21-year-old son too, right? 
22 years old. 22, he's, uh, 22. He's, he's working in a nonprofit too. And uh, he's, you know, he's, uh, you know, uh, affiliated with the church as I was back in the day. And he's loving what he's doing. Um, he's not making money, but that's okay. He's trying to change the world, right? Right. So if you could write just a short page um, letter to him, what would those words be like? Well, it would be, okay, George, I'm so proud of where you're at. You're on track. And what I want you to remember is that there'll be plenty of opportunities to go off track and to lose your focus. And I just want you to remember that you know what's right in your life. And if, if you're doing it now and you're loving it, then don't forget that because the day may come well, where you have some some um, problem that's maybe too much and you might want to give up or, or go a different route or whatever. Just remember that today, remember that you were doing great and you loved it because you will have those dark times and just push through because it is part of life on earth, right? So that's what I would tell George. And uh, I'm so proud of him. He's apple of my eye. And as long as he stays on track, he's going to help change the world. Mm, powerful man big shout out to george man keep up the good work george Riggs, my last question for the day man when it's all said and done what does mr riggs eckleberry mostly want to be remembered for i want to be remembered terrell for having brought a real problem and just broken it down the problem just finally got broken down like my man elon musk what an amazing man because he took the electrical car problem, broke it down. He took the space problem, broke it down. I want to do the same thing for water. If I can get anywhere near that kind of success, I'll count myself fortunate. You will. You will, man. Absolutely. We hope we totally behind you, man. Where can the people find you on social media? Where can they find you? The website. Where can they support your mission? Most important. Thank you. What we can do here is go to originclear.com, sign up for our newsletter, go to Facebook under Origin Clear, go to LinkedIn under Origin Clear, and um, just follow us, um, spread the word that we're, we're working hard. Um, and, you know, I'm sure we'll, our paths will, will cross. So just connect up with us. And every Thursday, I do a briefing on Zoom, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. East where I talk about after what's going on, what we're working on. It's very popular. And I would love it if your listeners would join you. Just go to origin, excuse me, originclear.com slash CEO, the CEO button. Sign up, join me. I'd love to have you on my show. <laughs> my man, my man. Reds, before we get out of here, man, I wanted to take some time, man, show you some gratitude for really devoting time to be here and be present, man. We had a schedule originally earlier today that was some hiccups going on. So, you know, it happens along this journey, along this path, man. We know what it feels like. So it's all about the matter of time of really making it work. And like you say, finding a solution. I'm totally behind you, man, on your mission, man, to really solving water treatment, cleaning water, getting all the dirt out, man, and sanitizing it, man. I, I really think that's amazing. Um, you wanted the first to really be on the show to share something like that different. And also just for, for many of us to continue to learn 
along our journey as well to, to know what we're drinking, to know what we're using to wash our bodies and to do other things as well. Um, hopefully everything get better in those cities that you mentioned, the city of Indianapolis, which I didn't know that they had a major water problem, but thank you for mentioning that. Hope that gets better. Hope in Flint, as we know, the water has been also bad out there. And as you said, it's been brown water it's in so Compton, California. I never knew that as well. So, you know, you've, you've touched on some real good topics today, man. And I really enjoyed your time and, and really taking time. You're a very busy man, but you really devoted time without a problem to be on here and be present, man. So the Inspire Before We Expire community are, is glad to have you, man, and, and to really, uh, you know, share your message on our platform. So thank you so much, man. Much gratitude to you. <laughs> Terrell, the inspiration was mine. Thank you so much. It was a great pleasure. Indeed. Guys, I'm Terrell Sumter. That's my main man, Mr. Riggs Echoberry. Follow him, support his mission, originclear.com. Guys, originclear everything. Go ahead and follow him, support the mission. Guys, if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the Inspire Before We Expire. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Also, please leave us a review to help us expand the message on many, many more people. As you know, our message is also in juvenile detention centers and correctional facilities across the states, helping those who need it the most get through trials and tribulation times as well. All right, guys, this is enough. This is we it. So this is Inspire Before We Expire, and we're out. Woo! Thank you.